Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning to the faithful ones who are here today. We are, yeah, yeah, you can applaud that, sure. Um, Yes, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you coming together to worship here today. I know that uh, we're right in that little transition time between Christmas and New Year, kicking off a brand new year, reflecting back on 2021. As you look back at that time, uh, it's been a challenging year. I I remember preaching a a message at the beginning of 2021 saying, I think it's going to be worse than it was in 2020, and I think that I was right uh, in many ways. It's been more of a battle, more conflicts, more challenges that we have faced. Today is kind of a an in-between message. We had finished up the God Is series. Uh, We had Christmas Eve. We're going to have a New Year time. In fact, uh, next week for New Year, for the first couple of weeks, I'm going to preach out of the book of Philemon, which I don't know if you've ever heard uh, a message out of Philemon before, but we're going to look for two weeks at uh, a picture of what it means to forgive, what it, one, what on one hand of it, what it means to seek, uh, in, uh, to seek forgiveness and to ask for forgiveness, what that looks like, and then the second one, what it means to then uh, extend forgiveness to someone else, and that's what we're going to look at. But today. I was thinking about and praying about, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And I think really it's just a continuation of the Christmas Eve thought, and that is, again, why did Jesus come, and what is the work of Christmas? What is the work that God did through the Christmas uh, story, and what is the work that he is calling us to do today? So this is a reminder of why Jesus came, and it's a challenge of what we are called to do and how we are called to evangelize the world. That's our job. The light uh, that Jesus brought and then the light that he brings into our lives that we are to then take out into a dark and corrupt world. So now we are we are finished with Christmas. Hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas. The meals uh, have been cooked. They have been eaten. Hopefully they were marvelous. The presents have all been opened. Now the bills are going to start arriving on the credit card statements for those that uh, that, that applies to. And for kids, it's the countdown. It is the all of a sudden now that I remember that as a kid. Maybe you felt the same way as a kid, but you would finish up with all of the Christmas stuff, and then you'd realize, wait a second, now I've got to wait 364 more days uh, until Christmas comes again. So for kids, um, for adults, it's a wonderful break, but for kids, it's a real challenge to have to go through that. Uh, I, I was intrigued as I heard a story uh, by the post office of all things, an employee of the post. Office. The post office uh, said that during the Christmas season, they get hundreds of letters, thousands of letters, not just hundreds, but thousands of letters in the weeks leading up to Christmas, all addressed to Santa Claus with things that they want. In fact, one employee said it this way. In the three months before Christmas, there were thousands of letters asking for something. In the months after Christmas, this one employee noted this thing. In the, in the three months after Christmas, there was only one card addressed to Santa Claus actually thanking him. Uh, 
I thought that's pretty intriguing, that there are all these letters asking for what I want, and then there is one card saying, thank you for what you have done. In the same way, I think for Jesus, the same kind of thought can be had, is that we think often about what he has done, but do we ever take time and thank him for what he has actually done? Having a life of gratitude, that attitude of gratitude. The work of Christmas that we're going to talk about today is really after Christmas is where the real work began. We don't have much of the story of Jesus in his growing up years. In fact, we have very, very little in the Gospels about the growing up years of Jesus, all until his work actually was started. Jesus came not only as an infant, but the ultimate goal of why Jesus came was to be uh, a substitute, to, be a, to die a substitutionary death for us upon the cross. He took upon himself what we deserved. He was the substitute who stood in our place. Um, I'd heard a story, it was from the 1950s, so it's a different culture and a different time there in the 1950s. They didn't have fast food and, and you know instant meals regularly. Uh, it's not the way that we live in, in in our society today, obviously, but one little boy, and he recounted this later as an adult, in the 1950s, he was notoriously late for dinner. He was out playing, running around the neighborhood. The parents could not call him on a cell phone, anything like that, so he'd be out playing, and he was notoriously late for dinner. They had dinner at the same time every day. They expected him to be back. He was not back. Uh, never, never seemed like on time. One particular day, he was very late for dinner. He came into the dinner table, and that's back when the kids would eat whatever mom prepared. And it was just, they would be starving by the end of the day. He got there and on his plate was a piece of bread. And then he had a glass of water. That was all that was there for him for supper because he was so late. He was so heartbroken over that until his dad looked at him, smiled at him, took his plate with the bread away from him, gave him his full plate and placed it in front of his son. He, it, that's, this little boy then recounted this many years later as an adult, said that that was such an impact upon me because I knew what God was like by what my father did at that meal that evening. He exchanged his glory for my measly life, which is an amazing thing. And that's what the work of Christmas is all about today. So today I want to look at just briefly the work that Jesus came to do. And it's all found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4. And I want to read verses 14 through 21 for us as we look at the story of why Jesus actually came. This is an incredible story. Jesus, it says, he was going around in Galilee. His ministry had just begun. And as he was going around, it says this about Jesus. It says, Yeshua, remember that means salvation. That's the name of God. Salvation, Yeshua, Jesus, in English, returned in the power of the Spirit to, to the Galilee. And news about him went out throughout the, uh, the entire surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone was praising him. He came to Nazareth, or in Hebrew, Nazareth, where he had been raised. As was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, and he got up to read. It was his turn to read. It was his family's turn to read in the synagogue that particular Shabbat day, which was a very common thing. 
Families would take turns reading whatever scriptures were assigned to be read. When the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now, stop right there for just a second. Let me explain the scene. What this is called is uh, the parashah or the parashat in Hebrew. The parashah or the parashat started in the time of the Babylonian captivity. So it would have happened in the, in the 5th century B.C. They took the Old Testament, the Torah, they took the Torah, they took the prophet, they took the history, the law, they took it all together. They divided it out into readings that would happen every week. There would be a midday reading. And then there would be a Sabbath day, a Shabbat day reading, and it was called the Parashah. They have it divided from the time of the Babylonian captivity all the way through today and even for the next hundreds of years. They have this designed reading that would happen. It's all organized. Jesus didn't just turn to this. This was the assigned reading of the day. The day that Jesus was there, the day that Jesus stood up to read, this was the assigned reading. What was it? Well, he turned to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. He unrolled the scroll and he read the words of the parashah that were assigned for that day. And here was what the words were. The spirit of Adonai, the spirit of the Lord, is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor. That's the exact quote out of Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. Spirit of Adonai is on me. Because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor. Now, this was written, the book of Isaiah, in the 6th century B.C. It was a prophetic writing that was written about the coming Messiah and the work that the Messiah would do. This is the work of Christmas. So Jesus... On the Sabbath day, stood up, took the assigned reading of the day, the parashah, opened it to Isaiah, read the words of Isaiah, closed the scroll, and here's what it says. He finished reading, he closed the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant. All eyes of the synagogue were focused on him as they would be any family member who was reading the words of the parashah on a particular day. Then he began to tell them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your ears, which would cause chaos. All, all chaos broke loose because they were saying blasphemy. How could, they, how could you say that? You are speaking what is false. The words have not been fulfilled. They were angry with him. They, were, they were, uh, wanted to stone him, to kill him. They said, you're crazy. All chaos broke loose because Jesus said, what I just read has been fulfilled today in your hearing. This is the work of Christmas. In Jesus' reading, he describes the work of of Christmas. Let's pray and let's look at what this work is. Father, be with us now as we understand why Jesus came. 
And I pray, Lord, that this would just speak to our hearts, that it would encourage us, Lord, that we would be just uh, amazed by the work that you came to do, the work of Christmas. And Lord, that you would challenge us to be more focused in our in our lives, in our community, about reaching people in the same way, that we would do the work of Christmas that you have come to do, that we would be your representatives, that we would be evangelical in nature, that we would evangelize our family members and our friends and people that we come in contact with, that we would share the good news of the gospel the way that Jesus shared that we would do the work that Jesus has called us to do, the work of Christmas. We thank you that you came as an infant, but we thank you, Lord, that you didn't, you didn't stop there. You came to set us free. You came to bind up the brokenhearted, and you came to proclaim freedom for us. Lord, be with us now as we look at your word and examine it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The work of Christmas, what is the work of Christmas? The work of Christmas is what God did through Jesus in the world, and it's the work that he calls us to do today. It's amazing if you look at the, the scripture that we just read, the three things that Jesus did are the three things that summarize why he came. The first thing that it says is this, that Jesus came, he, he reads this statement, and the first part of this statement says this, the spirit of Adonai Elohim, now you remember that means Adonai, if it's capitalized, it means Yahweh, the spirit of Yahweh Elohim. Elohim, remember that was the creator, the spirit of, the, uh, of Yahweh the creator is on me, that's on the Messiah, because here's the purpose, here's why I have come, he has come to proclaim good news to the poor. He's come to proclaim good news. What is the good news? The good news means the good tidings. That's where we get the idea of good tidings from. Uh, you hear those in the Christmas songs, good tidings. That is what good news is. It's a good tiding. It is, it is a pronouncement. It's a message that is given to the world. He's saying, I'm going to bring this joyful message to the world. I'm going to bring the good tidings to the world, the good news to the world. What is the good news. What is this good message? Well, the good message is this, that there's hope for the hopeless. There's help for the hurting. There is a father to the fatherless. There is freedom for the captive. Everything else he says is what the good news is. The good news can be summed up in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is a foreshadowing of the work that Jesus would do in the world. And this is the amazing thing about God. In Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8, God speaks to Moses and he says this. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their slave masters, for I know their plans. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land into a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, he says those four things. He says, I have seen their affliction. I have heard their cries. I know their pain, so I have come down to deliver them. That's why Jesus came. That's the work of Jesus. Why did he come as an infant? 
Because God saw, God heard, God knows, and he came down. How, how does that relate to us? Well, I know many of you, I, I don't know everyone in this room, but I know many of you. I've heard many of your stories. I know things about your past. I know things about your history. And for the majority of people, there is a, an amount of pain that people carry. There are hurts that people carry. There are offenses that people carry. There's addictions that people struggle with. There is just a variety and a plethora of problems that people are going through. Some are going through grief. Some are going through um, a grief from the loss of a loved one, a grief for a divorce, a grief for a medical diagnosis. There's pain that people come from. Here's the good news of the gospel. God sees that. He hears your cries. He knows your life and what you're going through. And so he has come down for you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. He has come to proclaim the good news. He particularly says three things of what he has done. And we'll go through these rather quickly. Number one, he comes to bind the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. He says the, these words, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The word bind up means to bandage. It means to compress. Uh, the word means to wrap firmly or to tie. He has come to wrap up, to bring a bandage, to heal, to tie up whatever is in the brokenhearted category. Now, there are many people in the world that are sad but they're not brokenhearted. God is, has come for the brokenhearted. What is the brokenhearted? The word broken is the word that means wrecked or shattered or crushed or brought into pieces. Think of like a ship that runs aground or hits rocks and how it could just destroy that ship. That's the picture of what broken is. He has come for the brokenhearted. The ones who have come to the point where they are shattered in life. You don't have to have gone through a tremendous amount of, of problems in the world to come to a point of brokenness. You can. It helps. You know, in alcoholic terms, they talk about hitting rock bottom. That's the picture of what brokenness is, is when you hit rock bottom. But you don't have to be an alcoholic to hit rock bottom. Hitting rock bottom is when you come to the point in life that you realize just how bad your sin is. You realize how much you have sinned against God. You realize how God views your sin, even if it's the most small, minor sin that you could possibly think of. You think of, well, I've never done anything bad in my life. I've not really messed up in my life. I've not done too much. The smallest of sin is enough to separate us from God for eternity. And so when you come to the realization of how much you have done wrong, you come to the point of brokenness. God has come for people who are broken, and that is the condition of being able to come to the Lord. You have to come broken. Quit trying on your own power. Quit trying on your own strength. Quit trying to justify and allow God to come in and bind up the brokenness in your life. There's a wonderful picture of this, a parable that Jesus tells. It's in Luke chapter 18. It says this in verse 9. Then Jesus spoke this parable to some 
who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they held others in contempt. Okay, so I want you to picture this. Jesus is telling a parable to a bunch of people that looked down upon everybody else, thought that they were spiritually superior and looked at other people with contempt. Now, you don't do that, do you? There's nobody you look down upon, is there? There's nobody that you look at with contempt, is there? Thinking that you're superior better than, do you? Well, this is the story that Jesus is telling to a group of people who think that they are superior and better and look at others with contempt. Jesus says this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee who's just like everybody who he's, who he's talking to. And the other was a tax collector. Now, the tax collector in that day was a really a, a lower, they were wealthy, but they were a very much a lower class citizen. Everybody looked down upon them. Everybody judged them. Everybody thought this is a piece of garbage around us. They hated the tax collectors. So two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and was praying this to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieving, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, wouldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This man, rather than the other, went down to his home declared righteous. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What is that the picture of? It's a picture of brokenness. This guy, this tax collector, this guy that everybody looks down upon, this is the one who is really broken over his sin, willing to say, God, please just be merciful to me. The Pharisee who could justify all of his religious behavior, who looked down upon everybody else, this guy was headed for hell, though he had wonderful religious behavior. The tax collector, though he had sinned horribly, was headed to God. Because he came broken. And Jesus came to bind up the broken. Jesus says, I have come for the broken. Those who have come to the end of themselves, those who have been shattered and wrecked because of the sin in their lives, that's the people that Jesus has come for. Are you, do you understand what brokenness is? Have you experienced that in your life? When you come to that point in that realization that I want to be made right, I am sick of my sin, I am broken over it, he has come for you. Second part of the work of Jesus is he emancipates the enslaved. Okay, I got an alliteration thing going. Binds the broken, he emancipates the enslaved. Look at what he said in that Isaiah 61 prophecy. It says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus says in John 8, 34, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Do you know that that's what the picture of redemption is all about? Redemption means this. It means to be set free from bondage or to be set free from captivity. And the picture of what redemption is, is an auction block. Do you know that 
in every society in the world, they have had slavery. It's not just been against African-American people. It has been against whites. It has been against the uh, Asians. It has been against every culture, every society in the world. It's always existed. This has not been invented by the United States, though we are presented with this idea of racism. It's not even true in the least. It has been in every culture. It was true in the culture that Jesus came into. It was part of the Roman Empire. They took all kinds of people into slavery and captivity. Jesus came to redeem people. And what the picture of that is, is this, that you and I are in slavery and you may not even know it. You may have not even realized that you were in slavery. We're not in slavery physically, but we are in slavery to sin, and Satan is the one that holds us captive. He is the ruler of this world. And so the picture of the auction block is this, that you and I are marched across the auction block. We are in tattered clothes. Our lives are a mess, and we are there in chains. Jesus came into the auction where this is taking place. He comes into the, into the marketplace, the agora, where all of this is going on. And he looks at us on the auction block. And he says, I will buy him. I will buy her. And the cashier only requires one payment from him. It's not money. It is his blood. It is his life. That's how he redeemed us. He exchanged his life for ours. That's what it means to be redeemed. So what he does is he pays the price to the cashier and we are set free from that slavery that we are in. And when he sets us free, he frees us to be able to become all that he has intended us to be. Do you know, by the way, that everyone in the world is in slavery. It's just who your master is. We are either a free bond servant of Christ where we have surrendered our hearts to him that he becomes our master or by default, we are in slavery to Satan who holds the world captive. He has come to redeem. He came to emancipate the enslaved, to set the captive free, to open up the prison so that you no longer have to be enslaved. By the way, that is such good news when it comes to people that are just deeply struggling. Maybe your struggle is an addiction. Maybe you're just trapped by this. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a way of thinking. You're enslaved by this and God opens the prison doors and you are set free. He came to bind the broken, to emancipate the enslaved. Finally, he came to restore the robbed. He came to restore the robbed. What does that mean? Well, Jesus says it this way, or it says it this way that Jesus quoted in Isaiah 61. He has sent me to proclaim the year of Adonai's favor. I, I love this. This is my favorite part of this entire thing because the year of Adonai's favor was a reference to the year of Jubilee. I don't know if you know in Jewish culture what the year of Jubilee was all about, but it was a provision in the law that every 50 years would be a year of release. It was a year of Jubilee. Think about why it would be Jubilee because there's a celebration that is happening. Every 50 years, all the slaves would be set free. All debts would be canceled, all land would be sold, and all debts would be, take, would be removed. Everything would be returned and everything would be restored. So just picture it this way. It would be like 
someone coming to you on the year of Jubilee and canceling out your mortgage, canceling out all your credit card bills, how amazing would that be? I turned 50 this past year, none of that happened at all, and I wish it would have. That would have been an awesome thing. The year of Jubilee was amazing. It was an Old Testament picture of the work that Messiah would come to do. He was coming to set the captive free by releasing every debt, by, by canceling out everything that was owed, by restoring. Everything that you had lost has now been returned. You were robbed of this, but now it's all been returned. Who, you're, who you were is no longer the case, it's now who you're going to be. And that was the year of Jubilee. And that's what Jesus is talking. I have come to set them free and to proclaim freedom. The year of Jubilee to everyone. He came to bind the brokenhearted. He came to, to, to free, to set free the captive, to emancipate the enslaved. He came to restore what has been robbed from us. I want to give you a a picture of what this looks like. I don't know if you've heard the story or not, maybe seen the movie or read the story of a guy by the name of Antoine Fisher. Have you seen that movie at all? If you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and, and watch that movie. It's several years ago that this movie came out, but it's a true story about this guy by the name of Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher was a young man. He was abandoned at birth. He was abandoned. He, his mother was uh, in, uh, she was incarcerated. She had been in and out of jail. She had all kinds of drug problems. And she abandoned him at birth. And he was raised in multiple orphanages and foster homes and reform schools. And in most of those places, he was greatly abused. Well, you can imagine the pain that he would carry after being abused for so many years, living so many lie, you know, so long like this, 18 years of his life, never having that connection, never having a mom, never having a dad, hurting in pain, in and out of abusive situations. After he turned 18, and he was really put out from, from the, the state-run uh, programs, he decided he was going to join the Navy. As he joined the Navy, his pent-up anger really started to come to the surface, and that caused a lot of problems in his early career in the military. There was a lot of fighting that happened, and after one of the fights, he was ordered to undergo counseling. His counselor was a psychologist. His name was Jerome Davenport. And Jerome encouraged Antoine, in order to get well, you're going to have to go to your roots and begin the healing process. Well, after several phone calls, he finally tracked down some relatives he found and came across an aunt and uncle who lived in Cleveland. Now, he contacted them and he made arrangements. He was going to go visit them. And this aunt and uncle that he had there in Cleveland, they picked him up at the airport after he flew in. And they took him to a dilapidated, rundown apartment building where he could finally meet his mom for the very first time. He went to the door, he knocked on the door, and he was greeted at the door by a, uh, a suspicious and aloof woman who, when she saw him, was a little taken aback. And when she learned that this was the child that she had given up at birth, 
she retreated to another room. She sat down on a, a, a dirty, worn-out couch, and she just began to cry silently. Antoine came over to her and asked for some explanation as to why. Why did you give me up? Why didn't you ever rescue me? Why didn't you ever come and find me? Why didn't you ever get me out of this situation that I was in? She didn't speak a word. She could not answer all she did was have a tear start rolling down her expressionless face as he spoke to her. Minutes carried on. She still did not respond. He finally stood up. He kissed her on the cheek as if to say, I forgive you, and walked out of the apartment with all of his questions still unanswered. And he goes back to the car with his aunt and uncle who were waiting for him. He'd walked out of that apartment building and you could just see it in his expression that he was just broken. He was broken hearted. He was hurting. He didn't have any answers. He felt hopeless as he left that situation. He was hoping to get the answers he craved, but he didn't get them. Got in the car with his aunt and uncle. They drove him to their house as he got out of the car and he walked into the front door of the house, his world instantly changed. Because as he walked into the house, he was met by the cheers of a chorus of 50-plus relatives who had all gathered at the house and they were all waiting to meet Antoine for the very first time. For the first time, there were children, there were cousins, there were uncles, there were family friends. They were all smothering him with hugs and kisses and slaps on the back and beaming smiles. One cousin tells him that his name is Edward and says, I'm, I'm named after your dad. An older aunt squeezes his cheeks. Anton just takes it all in, is just completely overwhelmed. The hallway stairs are filled with uh, signs and, and his name is scribbled on them and welcome and, and we're so glad to have you here. And they're everywhere pastored, uh, plastered all over the walls made by all of the kids of the family. The table, he looks at the table and it's overflowing with food. There is a feast that is about to happen. There's all kinds of food, every kind of dish that you can think of and every kind of dish that could be imagined. It's all there and it's all to celebrate him. It's prepared for a party. All are gathered. And for the first time in his life, Antoine is loved. For the first time in his life, he feels like he belongs. As all of the, all of the chaos kind of quiets down, an elderly woman who was the matriarch of the family, uh, who was sitting at the head of the table, she knocks on the table in order to get Antoine's attention. He moves over to her, and with, with slow, deliberate moves, she raises her arm, she grabs his hands, she touches his cheek, and with a raspy voice that seems like she was fighting his, the emotions as much as she could, she just whispers one word to him, and just the word is welcome. That moment in time that she, he just feels for the first time, like my all of my past has just been eliminated. I never had a family. I never knew where I belong. I never knew where I fit in. And all of a sudden now I've found a home. 
And I've found people that I connect with, people that will love me for me and who I am. That's the picture of freedom. That's the picture of proclaiming the good news, the year of Jubilee, that all of the past debts have been wiped out and now I am made new. That is what Christmas is all about. The work of Christmas didn't stop at the cradle. It started there. It culminated at the cross. And it is fulfilled in Jesus coming to proclaim the good news. And what is the good news? That I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. That I have come to proclaim freedom and release for the captives. To set the captives free. And I have come to proclaim it is the year of Jubilee. It is the day of God's favor. It is the year that God releases everything. That's the work that Jesus did, but that's also the work that he has called us to do. The challenge to us is this, that for many of us, evangelism is not important. For many of us, the fact that our friends, our family members, our coworkers are going to hell doesn't even bother us. We are to be about the Lord's work. The Lord came to do the work of Christmas and he's called us to do the same. How does that happen? Well, it starts with this, beginning to pray for them. Keeping a list of the people in your life, keeping a notepad or keeping a, a, an index card or keeping a journal with the names of people that you are in contact with, that you commit to pray for every day. Pray for the opportunity to speak to them. Pray that the Lord plants seeds in their hearts. Pray that they get saved before it is too late, that they find freedom, that they, their brokenness becomes bound, it becomes healed that they experience the year of the Lord's Jubilee. You begin to pray for them. And then you look for opportunities to share with them the message of the gospel. Do you know how to share the message of the gospel? I'm gonna give you the most simple format. Share what you were like, share what happened when you met Christ, and then share what happened since you met Christ. Do you know that that's the model that Paul used? It's all he ever did. He always said, this is what my life was like before, on, before I met him on the road to Damascus. And here is the encounter that I had with him on the road to Damascus. And then here is what my life has been like since. Do you have a story like that? That you could say, you know what? Before I knew the Lord, I was selfish. I was impatient. I was angry. I was mean. I was arrogant. I was a jerk. I was an addict. And then I met the Lord. And everything changed. And here's how he changed me. And then since I met him, this is what my life has been like. Everything that I was is gone. Everything that I am is what he has made. I am a brand new creation. That's the work of Christmas. Jesus came to do the work. And now he has left us to do it in his place with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we become his tools, his vessels his light in this world. Are you doing that? As you look for 2022 to happen, make it a goal that you will begin to pray for, reach out to, and share with people the good news of the gospel. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you have come not just to be a baby in this world, but you came to do the work of the gospel, the work of Christmas. You came to, came to bind up the brokenhearted. You came to set free the captive. You came to proclaim the jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, the year of a release, the year of restoration. Help us to do the same. Lord, I just right now can think about people in my life that I know don't know you. And Father, I know that there are others here that have the same thing. Right now in their minds, they know people that don't know you. And Lord, help us to commit to pray for them. Help us to commit to look for opportunities to share with them. Help us to commit to proclaim your good news before it's too late. Father, I pray for great salvation, for great numbers of people coming to know you through this church over this next year. Make it a priority. Lay it upon our hearts. Help us to be committed to reaching the lost for your kingdom's sake. Thank you for meeting with us today. As we leave this place, help us to glorify and honor you and help us to be the church as we leave these doors to go out into this community and make a difference for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.